week two of Advent. That means we've been in this season of waiting, of expectation, preparation for a whole week now. Because in, Eve, in Advent, we await the arrival of our newborn, King Jesus, while also anticipate his second coming. And to help us wait, in this preparation, we're looking at the unexpected ways that Jesus has, uh, th- that God works through the story of the birth of Jesus. Last week, we looked at unexpected hope that we have in Jesus, and that in, in, in seasons of waiting, God knows God is near, and God is at work in the waiting. Next week, we're looking at the unexpected joy that we have, as detailed by the host of angels appearing to the shepherds. But today is all about love. Isn't love great? They say that love finds you when you least expect it. And to be honest, that was true in my own experience. See, in college, I was looking for love. Some would say I was majoring in love, and some would say I was failing in all my classes. (laughs) All I wanted while I was in college, it seemed, was a girlfriend. I had had three girlfriends prior to college, and one of them was my junior year and two in sixth grade. So I... (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's when I peaked. Um... (laughs) The summer before college, I grew a few inches taller. I was feeling pretty good. I, was, uh, I heard there's a six-to-one female-to-male ratio at Grand Valley, and that might have factored into my decision just a little bit. <laughs> I figured this would be easy, right? So three years go by of looking and longing and hoping and trying and rejections and rejections and rejections with nothing happening, no love to be found. Three years of disappointment, not even like, like, not even like, like, you know, there was like nothing reciprocated, nothing. So then finally my junior year, there was this one girl and it was like, we were kind of dating, but we were kind of not, and it was just confusing and weird, and so we don't really talk about that. And because of that weird kind of relationship, kind of not, I finally at long last got to the point where I thought, hey, maybe I shouldn't be so obsessed with this search for love, because I was losing myself. So I had to spend some time, you know, focusing on me, getting to know the real Kevin. Sounds cheesy, but it's actually what I did. So I got to the point where I realized I had to focus on not just who I was, but my relationship with God and the relationships that were already in my life, rather than the pursuit of a future relationship. You're all like, what does this have to do with Advent? We're going to get there, all right? We're going to get there. (laughs) It was this period of growth uh, where I was choosing to trust God. Half a year goes by. I'm in a really good place in my life, and when I least expect it, certainly when I wasn't looking for it, what do you know? Meg O'Brien walked into my life. She's Meg Sanders now. Uh, To spoil it for you, we got married. We're our third kid's on the way. So the rest is a really great story that we're still living out today. There's a ton of waiting in my life leading up to that moment. A lot of expectation and anticipation. And I had, a, I had some really good plans of what was going to happen. You know, freshman year, you find that girl, and then you're like college sweethearts or whatever, and I, I don't know. None of that happened. How it went about was completely unexpected. 
It was not at all how I thought it would happen, but God's plan was way better than my plan. And that love was unexpected. And while I think Meg and I have one of the greatest love stories ever, I mean, come on, the reality is there's a greater one out there. And that is God's love for God's people. And it's shown acutely how Jesus came to be born as a baby in the most unexpected of ways. Mary's greatest love, the love of her life, came in the most unexpected of ways. And in fact, I can't think of anything more unexpected than what Mary experienced. Mary likely wanted to have kids at some point, you would think, but this was unlike anything she could have dreamed up. And it was so much better. Because through that unexpected came the greatest love the world has ever known. So let's look into how Mary found this love when she wasn't even looking for it. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 26 uh, through 33, and then we'll do the other part in a little bit. It's on page 723 in the Pew Bibles. If you'd like to turn, it will also be on the screen for you. Luke 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, that is, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. We're going to pause there. So Gabriel, as we talked about last week when he showed up uh, to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, he's one who stands in the presence of God. That's his description. He's a major high-ranking angel. And so after six months of after the incredible news that Elizabeth received of becoming pregnant in her old age with the child that was John the Baptist, and this was after years of not being able to have kids, the same angel shows up into this out-of-the-way little town called Nazareth to a girl named Mary. She's a virgin, and she's betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal is essentially, a, it's like an engagement. It was kind of like a legal engagement. And it most commonly happened uh, for women just shortly after puberty, meaning Mary was quite young, likely early to mid-teens. So who was Mary before the angel showed up to her? Well, in nearly every way, she was ordinary. She was a young, poor, likely uneducated female from an out-of-the-way little town, all characteristics that to the people of her day would make her seem unusable by God for any major task. And not only that, 
while they would be aware of the Old Testament prophecies, they would have known that how it comes about is still so unexpected that they weren't have expected it. And in fact, the Old Testament prophecies spoke of the coming Messiah being born in Bethlehem, but Mary lived in Nazareth, so that adds to the unexpected nature of this. We know Jesus was indeed born in Bethlehem because of God's divine plan and timing. Joseph and Mary had to travel to pay their taxes and for the census, but Mary didn't know that was going to happen. She was about as unlikely and unexpected of a choice as there could be. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts and calls to obedience that he's ever demanded. And it makes me wonder, have you ever felt like your own ability or your experience, your education, your skills, or lack of makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service? I think that's a pretty common human tendency is for us to think that we are not good enough, that we're not smart enough or skilled enough or experienced enough for God to use us in any significant way. But God doesn't look for resumes or impressive degrees or anything like that. God uses those who choose to trust him those who show an openness and a willingness and who desire a relationship with him. It's that saying you've heard before that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And that's how it was with Mary. So that Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. As we talked about last week, this came at a time when they felt like God was actually distant. We know God was always at work, but they felt 400 years had gone by and it's been kind of quiet. So they felt God, the Lord, was distant, and yet the greeting says the Lord is with you. And then you're highly favored. What would your reaction be to hearing that? An angel popping up, you're highly favored. I think I'd have a ton of questions. I wouldn't know what to make of it, and neither did Mary. She says, she was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Highly favored? Why am I highly favored? I'm just a young girl. I, who, who are you again? And what, what is this about? The Lord's with me? Am I, am I dead? What's going on here? I find it interesting that it does not say that Mary was afraid. Almost always when an angel appears or God speaks, the initial response is, and they were afraid, or they, and they, they were, there was terror came over them, that kind of thing. But it doesn't say she responded that way. It was that she was troubled at the saying, at the words that she heard. And here's the thing. Mary, she was highly favored, not because of anything that she had done up to this point, but because of what God was going to do through her for all of humankind. She was the recipient of God's grace, and that's what made her highly favored. God had given her a purpose. If only she steps forward in faith. And I believe he's given you a purpose as well. If only you step forward in faith. See, Gabriel details this news to Mary that she will be with a child and give birth to Jesus the Messiah, the King of kings. The Savior of the world is coming, and you're going to be his mom. 
Talk about a bombshell. Whoa, that was probably the least last thing she expected. Just a young teenager and everything in her life and in our world was changed in that moment. Such incredible news. How would you react? I would freak out. And not just because I'm a guy. But let's look at how Mary reacts. Pick up from verse 34 through 38. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. How will this be? For I am a virgin, says Mary. This is an appropriate question to ask. How will this happen? Notice, though, she does not say, how can this be? Questioning the possibility of it. No, she says, how will this be? It's an important distinction. She believes it will happen. She is simply wondering by what means it will happen. This is an important distinction to make because Zechariah, if we remember last week, he, when Gabriel told him what was going to happen with Elizabeth and with him, his question was, how can I be sure of this? That's a question of doubt and wondering the validity of what Gabriel had said. And we know that he, his voice was taken away and all of that. But Mary here, her question, it's not one seeking confirmation. It's one of wonder of how this truth will come to be. And so Gabriel tells her it will be by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, in his creative ability and power, will cause Mary to be with child. It's hard to believe because it's so miraculous. But God does the miraculous. When you see what else he has done, this fits in with what he can do. We know he is the creator. He has complete power. And so the virgin birth, it it fits in with that realm of possibility, and it leaves no doubt that God is involved. Also, by the Spirit being involved, it means Jesus is then born without the taint of sin. You see, every human that's been born since Adam and Eve in the fall in the garden has been born with the taint of sin. We're sinful by nature. It's this lovely inheritance we have. But Jesus, he's, he's kind of referred to as the second Adam, He's conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He's indeed fully human while also being at the same time fully God. Now Jesus, as he grew up, he still had the possibility of sinning. He still had to fight temptation, as we read about in the scriptures, just like Adam and Eve were created without the taint of sin. They still had the ability to sin, but unlike Adam— Jesus did not give in to temptation. He lived a sinless and blameless life 
which allows him to be the perfect sacrifice required to make all things right between God and humans. Then Gabriel shares to Mary the news that Elizabeth and God's amazing timing and miraculous works, she's six months pregnant in her old age, years after years after years of not being able to have children. Mary would have known that Elizabeth struggled with this. She, they were relatives. They would have had conversations about it. And I like to think this must have provided some comfort for Mary, who's stepping into the unknown, who's taking on this new crazy thing of knowing someone else she knows is experiencing something somewhat similar to her experience. And love, true love, not like love of things, like I love chili dogs, but that's not actual love, right? That's like a heavy like of a thing. But true, actual love is always experienced in relationship. Think of our God. God is relational by nature. He created us to be in relationship. We were in the garden. We sinned, so he has been trying to restore relationship, sent Jesus out of love for us to restore and reclaim a right relationship with us. True love is experienced in relationship, and Mary got to experience that with Elizabeth. So Gabriel, one who stands in the presence of God, he proclaims, nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel, one who stands in the presence of God, he speaks as an eyewitness. He knows. He is God's mouthpiece in this too. Nothing's impossible with God. And Mary's response, it's truly so amazing in the wake of being told the most unexpected news any of us could ever imagine. She doesn't complain. She doesn't even ask for more details. She doesn't try and get out of it. She doesn't try to make excuses. She proclaims, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a statement of faith. And yet, you can almost sense the weight of what she's stepping into. Mary knew that she didn't have all the details. She, she knew she wasn't going to fully understand, but what she did have was faith to take that step anyway. Because she knew and she believed that nothing is impossible with God. She knew this wasn't all on her own power. She also knew what this meant for the world. Mary, a young peasant girl, accepts this amazing call from God, a call to faith, a call to love. And it's a deep, sacrificial love that we know ends, that his human, his human life ends with Jesus on the cross. She willingly gave up all that she knew and all she had planned to follow God into a new life through one act of love and obedience. When Mary stepped forward in faith, she knew what that meant. She was unwed. She was not yet married, and she became pregnant. That created significant, significant social difficulties for her and Joseph. And we can't get into all the exciting details of that now, but there are expectations of heavy town gossip, ridicule, disgust, disgrace that comes from an unwed pregnancy. 
the fear also that Joseph could have divorced her. He almost did quietly divorce her, except they worked through that with God's work help, of course, and in his planning. But she wasn't sure of that, except she trusted nothing's impossible with God. Also, if Joseph chose, he could have made a big public stink of the whole ordeal. If he didn't believe Mary or God or any of that, we know that often the penalty of unwed pregnancy and of adultery was public stoning, being stoned to death. We saw Jesus and the adulterer. That was something that was a precedent then. And she knew what she was stepping into, the social disgrace, the unknowns, the hard conversations, the isolation, all of that at 13 or 14 years old. But Mary did not dwell on the fear or the what-ifs. She embraced the call, and she stepped forward in faith instead of fear. God had dreamed a bigger dream for Mary and about Mary than she could have ever dreamed for herself. All she had to do was take that first step of faith, followed by another step of faith. And I believe the same is true for us as well. The detail of God's dream for each of us will be different than Mary's and different for each one of us, but God uses those who choose to trust him. And we all have a choice each and every day between love and faith and trust or fear and selfishness and doubt. And Mary, she was just like one of us. Yes, she showed and proved she was brave. Yes, she was courageous. But she was just like you and me. She was an ordinary person from an ordinary town with ordinary hopes and dreams, and she was called into the unexpected and the extraordinary. God had a plan for her. Mary was called into an unexpected love to love and care for the Messiah, the Savior of the world, while in the same moment being the recipient of such incredible and unexpected love. Jesus Christ is love incarnate who came out of the depth of his love for you. His love is the most unexpected of all because it never retreats. It is a long-suffering, always enduring love. And that is why he came, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We're called also in this life then as receivers of God's unexpected love to be God's unexpected love through our daily actions, with the people we encounter, as we look beyond our doors to see who is hurting through the choices that we make with our time, our money, by being Christ's hands and feet, we can usher in the unexpected love of Jesus, just as Mary did. When God reveals his path and his plan, his dream for each of us, when he calls us to love, this big, Christ-centered, unexpected, and sacrificial love, may we then in turn respond by saying, I am the Lord's servant. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. God, we do thank you 
We thank you for the amazing ways that you are at work in this world. And we think back to you sending Gabriel, speaking to Mary. In your divine plan, God, you had this plan from the start. And you chose your servant, and she responded in faith. But God, we know that why you do all of this, at the heart of it is your deep, deep love. So in this season of Advent, as we await that, we await expectantly knowing what it means, knowing that Jesus did come. He was born of the Virgin Mary, that he did live a perfect and sinless life and died in our place to restore relationship with us if only we choose to believe in you and follow you. And God, we know that Jesus defeated death and gave us the way back to you. So we thank you, God. We thank you for the depth of your love. We do pray, Lord, as you call each of us to love as you have loved us, that you will provide us the gifts, the strength, the encouragement, and the courage to step forward in faith, to do what you have called each of us to do. Lord, we do pray that when you call, we will choose to step forward. We thank you, God. We thank you for the amazing ways you're at work and for your love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.